Black Podcast. Tonight we have Adam Rapp and Mark Ornstein from Clothing Arts. So say hello to everybody. Hi, I'm Adam. Hi, Mark here. So um, we're also enjoying uh, a nice cup of upgraded coffee. This is the first time you guys have had this beverage. This is the first time I've ever drank butter, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite good. Um, I like the coconut. There's butter and coconut, I think, in here. Yeah, it's um, it's upgraded coffee, which I buy from Bulletproof Coffee, which is a company, bulletproofexec.com, and uh, the whole the whole like patois of this thing is, um, you know, coffee without mycotoxins, and it's you know processed in a way where it's all sourced from one particular place at a certain altitude, and the uh, the grass fed butter and the uh, coconut oil is uh, you know the, they're the right sort of fats that promote brain function, so. Usually, I start my day off drinking a couple, you know, two cups of this stuff. And it sets me up pretty, pretty well for the rest of the day. So. Well, I think I'm gonna um, stop my daily wheatgrass shots, and I'll, I'll switch to upgraded coffee. Yeah, man, do it. That'll, that'll give me the energy I need to start my day right. So what, what are your impressions, man? You like? It? Oh, it's, it's awesome. Good. Yeah, it's, it tastes like it's almost a dessert. It feels silky. Um, it's like a, I guess, a coffee shake. It feels um, soothing. Soothing. Yeah, that, yeah that'll and, be a good. And it wakes you up at the same time. It's really nice. Mellow. Usually, I get up like around five thirty, between five and five thirty. I make make a cup of this, or you know, pot, and you know, drink it, relax. Within like an hour or so, I'm like ready to rumble, man. Ready, ready to go out there. And so, it. so you're saying that this is the best early bird gets the worm cup of coffee? That I think you can so, have. man. I feel sharp and ready to go after I drink this. And it's a great way to start any podcast, I think. So yeah, totally, man. Especially you guys, you know, you guys are working, man. You worked all day long. It's, you know, so it was at 7 o'clock or something like that, 7.15? We did. We, uh, you know, we started our day, I think, uh, today we started at 10.30. It's one of the best parts about uh, <laughs> quitting quitting the real world and starting your own company is you start when you want. Um, I was up at 8.30, just so everyone knows. Someone has to be. <laughs> People call in. But, I'm, you know, you have to be a designer. Everyone has their creative hour. Mike over here, creative hour, five thirty, six o'clock. I'm twenty four seven, Jack. I, all, all day, every day, man. That's me. I, I I'm creative ten p.m. to one a.m. That's that's yeah. that's the peak creative hour. So it, it worked. It was hell during college, but now I can do whatever I like. So it, it works out well. So um, just from the top, sort of give a breakdown of what clothing arts is all about. Well, I think we can do a good analogy with the coffee. I mean, you got you're, it's an upgraded cup of coffee, and what we do is we upgrade apparel. We take a different look at um, the design, the fit, the fabric, the function, and we build a better product. You know, it's like, um, they say you can't improve on the wheel. Well, maybe you can. You can use different materials that make it stronger. Maybe you could hollow out certain areas to make it lighter. Anyway, enough with the wheel analogy. But... (laughs) I thought that we were talking about pants for the second. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's you know it's it's rethinking something. It's rethinking that, something that you wouldn't normally think about. You know, um, is that yeah? Is that I mean, when when's the last time you've heard of something innovative in a pair of pants? I mean, you you think of innovation, you think of technology, you think of you know your your smartphone, or you think of you know your TV getting flatter and thinner. Um, I guess the the inspiration all started from uh, a travel. Um, I quit my job 
and I, uh, I would put my life into a backpack, and I, you know, I did whatever, what anyone else would do on the road. You know, you use whatever technology is available. You, you find the backpacks that you're, um, uh, that you're exposed to, and you find the, the pants that you're exposed to, and the shirts that you're exposed to, um, and then you go see the world. Uh, for me, I, I had just had a, a regular pair of chinos. They were, um, uh, twill from, uh, Marks and Spencer bought in Singapore. And I realized that they just weren't good enough for what I, what I needed. And now I guess I, I reinvented the pants that, that I would see the world in. The product I'm most familiar with is the, uh, pick, pickpocket proof pants, the PQ pants. Yeah, we, we like to see if someone could say it 10 times fast in 15 seconds. You think? You think PQ sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll give you another free pair of pants. <laughs> if you, if you could. Not that, you know. Um, I don't think anyone's ever done it, but we, we'd like to see if anyone can. <laughs> I could try, but it, it would just be repetitive. Um, yeah, our, our flagship product is uh, Pickpocket Proof Pants, um, and the name, uh, you know, it speaks for itself. Uh, basically, um, what it is, it's um, taking the idea of money belts and building that into a pair of really good-looking Travel pants or everyday urban wear pants. Yeah, I mean, Adam summed it up perfectly. Um, we we basically um, think about the function and the form of the pants first, and then we make uh, an incredibly comfortable pant that you'd love to wear every single day. I mean, the product is so unique. There's nothing like it on the market today. And I wore them 14 days in a row on uh, our last, like, short tour we did at the end of the year. And uh, they performed well. Yeah, they're, they're not just made, you know, to go see um, Turkey or to go to China. Um, they're, they're, I personally wear them every day. I haven't worn anyone else's pair of pants in almost four years now. From my very first prototype in Istanbul up until the pair of pants that I'm wearing now, which is, you know, our, our second generation. Um, they're... They, they just do more, and they're more comfortable. And I guess it's, it's basically, um, you know, empowering the wearer is the way that I like to look at it. We give you um, so many options, and like my, for my personal favorite feature is our smartphone pockets. And it's the one that gets used the most. I utilize that extensively. Yeah. How neat it is, is it to have, you know, your phone on vibrate, and then it's sitting high up on your hips, so you know immediately when someone calls. Yeah, and to have it on both sides, so like you, um, you could have your phone in the right pocket. I'm a lefty, so I use my right right pocket for the phone, and then my left pocket has my Metro card, has some business cards. Um, you know, it's just adding so many levels of function. Um, that's the one that probably gets used the most. I just got out of the subway, so when I go on the subway, that's when I you know utilize the 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 function that gives the pants its name. Um, which would be our uh, front pocket guards, um, and you um, uh, P cubed is the name of the pants. Uh, and P cubed is um, an acronym for pickpocket proof pants. And uh, the logo is a cube, so when you flip over the front pocket guard, uh, the logo is a cube. So that means your your pocket is now pickpocket proof. Um, the pants don't have any logo unless you activate, you know, what is a form of armor. And then you're prepared for, um, you know, any wandering hands on a subway walking down the street. Or if you happen to be, you know, um, accident prone and stuff falls out of your pocket open, you can just lock it shut. So we have multiple levels of security. Yeah, they come in useful for me specifically on the road. You know, I was just, you know, I, was, I, I need to put a lot of things in my pocket, like a you know, flashlight, Leatherman, you know, guitar picks, receipts, you know, notes to do certain things here and there, you know, just... Phone numbers that some dude jots down about, oh, yeah, you need to go here to do sound check or whatever, loading in times, all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, a lot of times I, you know, go to the hotel, I end up sleeping in my clothes half of the time. <laughs> so I just, like, everything's locked down. I just yeah, self-contained, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I really, uh, I got a lot of use out of them, man. Uh, one of the uh, interesting reviews we got very early on, was a guy that, you know, bought a pair of our pants. We weren't a very well-known company, and we still, um, uh, you know, aren't very well-known, but we do have a loyal following. Uh, and he wrote in um, a review saying that it, the, the pants take a learning curve. So like he first put them on, and he would forget where he put his stuff 
and then you start getting used to it, and over time you realize this is the pocket where I keep this. So you automatically know exactly where it is, and it's there, and it's locked down. So um, what was your background? Because, like, uh, did you have a background in, like, you know, clothing design or any sort of design, you know? Uh, no, I, I hadn't. I wore clothes. I guess that qualified me to make them. Um, I knew what I wanted from a pair of pants. Um, but, no, I had no formal training. I guess um, they say necessity is the mother of invention, and uh, that's how this really got started. Um, I had a, a run-in with a pickpocket when I was traveling, and I looked down at the chinos that I was wearing, which, you know, I, I'd been traveling in them at that point for three or four months. I never wore a money belt because they were uh, uncomfortable, cumbersome, um, pretty much the, the bane of any traveler's existence, but they were really a necessity. Um, I was uh, pig-headed enough to think I didn't need it. You know, every, everyone sort of, sort of thinks that it's never going to happen to you. Um, well, when it does happen to you, then you start to think again. Um, and then that's when I looked down at my, my chinos, and I realized that um, I needed some kind of security. So I thought about getting a money belt. Um, that n really never appealed to me. And then I looked for other alternatives on the web, you know, what was out there that, that could, um, you know, fit my needs. And really nothing caught my eye. Uh, the designs were poor. Um, so at that point, I, I sort of just stuck a little idea in the back of my head, thinking, you know, maybe this is something I might want to do. Um, but as you, uh, where, what's my background? It, it's not in clothing design. So um, I decided that that would just be crazy. I have no idea how to make clothes. Why would I go go design this? So I just like squirreled it away in the back of my brain. Um, but my, my real background is, um, I guess, uh, financial engineering of sorts. Um, and that's how uh, me and Mark originally uh, first met. Um, we were both working for a startup hedge fund in Manhattan. Um, and uh, we were both, uh, well, Mark was trading and I was more or less uh, doing the operations of the company. Um, and then uh, that, that job ended up ending rather abruptly, so I quit and put my life into a backpack and started seeing the world. Um, three and a half, four years later, here I am with a pair of pants. Um, Mark uh, came and um, started working with me about uh, a year ago, or so at this point. Um, and it's, it's all about improving the way travelers get to see the world now and making it so that that moment where a pickpocket does come up and you know, try to take your stuff, we, we'll hopefully stand in the way and give the traveler an, of an option other than a money belt. Um, just a, a cool note is that we've, we get a lot of emails from our customers, um, and uh, this year we've received three emails saying that we stopped pickpockets. Wow. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's, it's a great feeling. It's like the law of large numbers. So you put enough into the world, and it, it's, it's designed for this, and travelers are going to take it and, you know, go, go see the far-off parts of our, you know, our great world. And, um, yeah, it's nice that um, a lot of our clients, our customers, when they're traveling to Europe, for example, um, they like the ability that they, they can travel without worrying where their stuff is or thinking about it constantly. And anyone from New York City knows exactly what I'm talking about, or any man especially, because you're always... I, I especially am always patting my pockets. Where's my phone? Where are my keys? Where's my wallet? All times. And all of a sudden, once I zip and secure my pockets and, and put the security on them, I know my stuff's in there. My hands are free now. I can go through the day and actually enjoy the sights without wondering if someone's going to take something from me as I'm walking the, the narrow streets of Barcelona or Rome, for example. So it, it really frees you up, I think Adam mentioned, to really you know, have that feeling of security while you're away and actually enjoy yourself more. And that's what people are paying for the peace of mind. Well, um, incidentally, Barcelona and Rome are two out of the three places that we stop pickpockets. The third being Shang a market in Shanghai. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the stories behind those, um, uh, the, the, the Rome Metro is the best one. Um, I guess, and it'll help describe a bit of the function. Uh, so basically how the idea works, and it's really simple, which I guess the, 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 you know, only the best ideas really are, is um, levels of security. So you have a zipper and you have a cover on every one of the pockets that you're going to store your wallet. So your front pockets, there's um, a, a vertical zipper and then you know, a three-inch fabric flap that goes over it. So the zipper is one level of security, the flap being two. The rear pockets, um, they also have zippers and covers. There are two buttons and then a zipper hidden underneath the flap. Uh, and then those pockets would expand, 
And because they expand, um, one of, another one of our cool innovations is that we hid a third pocket underneath, so it's, it's exactly sized for your passport. So that's your triple level of security. So you have two or three levels of security to keep your valuables. Um, so the guy on the Rome Metro, he was with a group of tourists, and he was the only one wearing our pants. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, as, as travelers, we stand out no matter where we go. Um, maybe we, our skin color might be different or we might be dressed differently. Uh, so what the, what the pants that we um, gave him allowed him to do was, you know, have those multiple levels of security. So one of his friends had lost a phone, one of his friends had lost their wallet, and then he had his wallet stored in our rear pocket, which had both buttons buttoned, the zipper, and then the wallet inside. So the pickpocket managed to undo one of the buttons and then realized something was, you know, different about this guy's clothes and then just disappeared, maybe moved on to one of his friends or just sort of, you know, left them alone. Um, so he realized that, you know, I had done both of my buttons, but then it gets off the metro and he realizes one's undone. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's, it's a great story and it's, it's really amazing to know that this little idea that, you know, I had that, that you know, no one was making the pants that I wanted, so I'm going to go out and, and make this, that it really helped him. Um, so it's, it's great to know that, you know, you're making a difference in travelers' lives. And uh, I consider myself a backpacker. I, I like to think that I would spend six months out of the year, you know, living out of my backpack, seeing parts of the world. Um, and as travelers, we look out for one another. Um, so it's, it's great to know that I'm able to look out for, you know, hundreds and thousands of travelers at this point. One of the coolest things that I think is sort of emerging these days is uh, these sort of specialized, um, you know, sort of high-performance apparel slash, you know, bags, accessories sort of companies. Like, there's, that seems there's a lot of companies out there like that. You know, there's, there's you know, particular, you know, like training equipment bag companies that I, you know, I like to buy. I train, you know, jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. And, um, you know, there's there's... Companies that serve that that sort of industry with their own specialized bags, and you guys are serving the travel industry. And what's interesting about that is is that how like is it can people buy this directly from you, or do they have to go through? You know, what are the distribution channels? Well, you bring up a good point about how oh, in the last five years you've seen more of these specialized companies, yes. and that's a direct result of the internet allowing you to see. And, you know, touch, if you purchase the product, you know, this, all these amazing niche brands. Um, and for us, you know, people are used that they're carrying more technology, so they're needing to find places to put it. And um, in, in, our, in our clothes, you know, we happen to build it in such a way that it, it looks like a normal pair of pants, but does so much more. Um, and we, we've been lucky enough to get a number of, you know, big retailers get behind us very early on. Um, and then that enabled us to, you know, bring the product to, to market and to get control of our production. Um, so you can buy it from, you know, various uh, travel catalogs, which were the first people to support us, and then a few um, outdoor stores and major markets. But our main um, uh, area of sales right now is through our website and through customers. The reason why we were actually a little late to come here and start the podcast is right as we were about to leave, we get a phone call and, a guy wants to know more about the pants, and, oh, one, and sold them two pairs of pants right there. Um, so tomorrow they'll we'll get the the order over to the warehouse. That'll ship out, and it'll arrive at his door in you know two or three working days. So you guys have an actual uh, offsite warehouse? Uh, yeah, we um, we have an office where we run the operations, and then we have a separate warehouse. Uh, being in New York, we're trying to be as close to New York as possible. It gets very difficult to keep everything in house in, in one sure. operation. Ideally, that would be the best. But we do have um, a separate operation that um, works with us and helps us with the warehouse. Yeah. Is that you know Mark's prim primary job? Is, uh, um, I'm involved in the logistics <laughs> of the company for sure. Um, I help with customer service. Um, I help processing orders, um, changing of orders, making sure inventory is maintained properly, and making sure everything arrives in a timely fashion. Um, so yes, I'm involved, and in, that's part of my day-to-day -day in the operation side of the business. Um, in addition to that, I also um, was hired to do uh, sales for the company, uh, and I do a bit of marketing and you know Adam consulting and I, in the design. Consulting and design. Adam and I do a lot of back and forth every day. We're in a room together, 
uh, between 10 and 12 hours a day. So we have a lot of uh, interchange um, as far as ideas for the company, you know, ways to get our brand uh, recognition out there, for example, or, uh, you know, clients to pursue, um, you know, media avenues, uh, website, you know, anything, you know, pertaining to the, the brand or the manufacturer of the clothing. Just ideas are just constantly flowing between us. Well, the cool part about as we grow and, you know, as more pants get put into the world is that allows us to do a ton of new things. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be posted. Probably two days. Um, so between, you know, today um, and the time when this podcast gets posted, the website will have the front page will be completely redone. Over the last two days, we've added product pages for th- our three new products. So um, we're growing, and that allowed me to get a lot more creative freedom. And, um, you know, this year specifically, uh, I'm going to be spending... I'd say four to five months at our productions. So um, at the end of this month, I'll fly over to India and I'll oversee the production of uh, the shirt that I'm wearing and uh, some of our new pants products. Yeah, I just want to add we're expanding into several new, uh, uh, we're expanding the brand into several new lines. We're not just doing pickpocket proof pants anymore, but we're doing pickpocket proof shirts. Uh, we're doing a, our first ever women's line. And we're also doing uh, shorts and convertible pants as well. So we've got a full range of products out there for the traveler. Oh, wow. Uh, and we're very excited about it. Um, and we're going to just keep adding and adding colors and, and new styles in the future as uh, you know the company grows. So I just went over to my bag and I pulled out some of our new stuff. So um, as Mark mentioned, uh, all of our, our new gear... Um, one of the cool things is like finding the fabrics, and that's what really um, gets me excited, is to be able to touch and feel and to you know, bring an idea into reality. And I know that um, Mike's a, a big fan of our gray stuff, so I, I brought some samples of the gray stuff to show him. Um, and uh, so the whole idea of the shirts is that they feel like a normal shirt would, like your normal cotton would, yeah, absolutely. except they're 100% nylon. Really? Yeah, this is the, um, you know, other than you seeing this, like, you know, this has been shown to buyers at, at one trade show. So um, what we did was um, I went over to uh, Taiwan, and I, I worked with a fabric manufacturer to make something specifically for us that is both comfortable, breathable, lightweight, incredibly durable, quick-dry, in my opinion, the holy grail of outdoor fabric. Um, and that's something that... You know, we're proud to be able to, to now have stitched into samples, and uh, in about three weeks, um, they're going to hit the production line, and we'll make um, a little under 2,000 shirts. Yeah, we'll do three colors. I'm, I'm wearing, you guys can't see it, but I'm wearing a white. Um, we'll have a gray, and then we'll also have a tan. Um, so it's sort of like your, your, your day to evening line of shirts, and they all have hidden pockets. Yeah. So uh, can you find where my hidden pocket is? Like if you just, if you, so I'm standing up now. Um, if you can, can you tell no, me? No, you just see two breast pockets. I don't see. Yeah, anything. so underneath both the breast pockets is your actual pocket. Oh wow! So it's a zipper inside, oh. uh, and that's on both sides. So um, you can keep your really your money, a little bit of whatever that you want to keep super secure, and you have so many different levels of fabric that you won't be able to see that there's anything in there. Even wearing a white shirt, you can throw like a darker object in there. So I'll, I'll throw my metric card in. Or a business card. So my business card is better because it's purple. Can't see it. No purple. Can't see it. Is that so, a TSA proof? Like, you know, can you <laughs> smuggle stuff on planes with that and everything too? Uh, you can definitely get patted <laughs> down, I would think. Because our zippers, um, now that they, uh, if you go through a metal detector, you'll be fine. But if you go through one of those stand-up things, yeah. um, the, the little zipper pulls uh-huh. will, will show up, so they'll always sort of take a look. You'll, I mean, you don't have anything in your pocket, so you walk up, they'll pat you down, and they'll be like, wow, that's cool pants. I've been told by numerous TSA I actually guys, enjoy going through security now for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just like getting your pants patted down. <laughs> anyway. It's a little intimate. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't resist the joke. Too much information. It was too... Uh, uh, but, um, so what's the address of the site? for people to go and visit and check it out. Oh, um, yeah, just just like the company, it's Clothing Arts, uh, so clothingarts.com. Um, and then once you get there, you'll see all the various different stuff that we do. Um, the, the pair of pants that uh, we're wearing is our original Adventure Travelers, so 
Um, you know, those will be up there. We make Adventure Traveler shorts. Uh, then we have a business line. Um, those are sort of more tailored. There aren't cargo pockets. Uh, those actually went through a redesign uh, very recently, and they're coming off the production line uh, now. And they'll be shipped to the United States in uh, a couple of days, so we're very excited about that. Um, and then, so we have the business line has both shorts and pants. Uh, and then what I'm holding is our new convertible pants, which everyone's been asking, like, why we don't have it. And it's a matter of getting to the company to a large enough size where, you know, we can stock all of our stuff. So we're going to do, do three colors of our zip-offs. Um, and uh, we're, we're incredibly proud of it. And if uh, you feel the fabric, um, I know that you have our current cotton uh, nylon blend. Yes. So you have our, our Adventure Traveler. Yeah, these are definitely, they feel a little different, but yeah. Yeah, this is um, uh, nylon as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is, uh, the shirt uh, is made out of a nature-like nylon. And then the pants were, are also going to be made out of something we're calling nature-like nylon. So uh, it's made out of a wide uh, nylon weave. So when I put this up to the light, you can start to see through. Oh, yeah. That. Okay. So it's a parallel weave. Uh, so all those little holes are air pockets, so air can pass through and breathe. Nice. Um, so that's the tough part about nylon. When you think about you know, a polyester nylon travel garment, I immediately think of saran wrap. Yeah. It's exactly. like it's walking around the world and just baking and sweating like crazy. Um, and then the, the cool thing about these, this new fabric is that it'll allow you, you to breathe, and it's also moisture wicking, so it'll help absorb some of the moisture, uh, and it, it'll you know, be the most functional, um, and we like to think the most fashionable pair of adventure travel garments on the market. So these are convertible from pants into shorts? Uh, yeah, they zip off at the legs. Okay. Uh, so just you know, one or two zips, and you have an, a pair of shorts. So it, it gives you that flexibility. Ideal um, for warm climates yeah. or outdoor stuff um, yeah. where you want quick dryability. Um, people going on safari is our primary customer that we had in mind when we were making these. Um, they want the ability to have shorts during the day and then when it gets cooler at night to put the pants on. And, you know, it cuts down on the stuff you have to bring on a trip, which everyone brings too much apparently on every safari that we've spoken, every company we've spoken with. So now you only have to bring really one pair of pants if you're going on a week or ten day safari. Because uh, you can wash these very easily and they'll dry uh, in no time. So uh, that's, uh, we think they're very versatile, uh, functional pair of pants that uh, already we've been getting orders. We just went up on the website a couple of days ago. Yeah, we put them up a day and a half ago and we sold a bunch of, yeah. bunch of pairs. The, the, the orders were already coming in, so we're pretty excited about them. Have uh, people been you know, asking questions about uh, where you source all your materials and whatnot? Like, has that been a, yeah, everyone's always thing? curious you know, how it comes together. Um, a lot of people want to know if it's made in the U.S. Uh, they want to know, um, you know, how the you know the factory is overseen. Um, and I guess the easiest way to, to talk about that is to talk about how much time goes into it, and then associate that with the price that we bring the garment to market at. Like, we're a young company, and to bring a, a garment to market at you know two hundred dollars would be price prohibitive. We'd have trouble selling it. We'd have trouble convincing the market, especially when you have you know, I'm not going to name the other outdoor companies, but you can buy a pair of their pants for $70. You know, you can buy some for 50 So when we bring ours to market at 100 or 110 you know, we're pushing the envelope of what a normal outdoor guy is going to be used to spending on his garment and what he's willing to upgrade for the, our function. Um, so we originally started with um, U.S. manufacturing, and the prices that I were quoted were far less than they ended up costing. Um, so, if I were to, to make this garment in the U.S., I'd have to add sixty to eighty dollars immediately wow. to it. Um, the whole um, idea of that is like there's more function. <coughs> excuse me. There's more function that you can see, and there's more time that goes into building that function that you really can't see. So every pocket is multi-reinforced. Every seam has many levels to edge strength. So uh, the pair of chinos that you're wearing, for instance, I could um, manufacture at the factory. Uh, in India in about 25 minutes. So it's 25 minutes worth of labor right. associated with it. There's close to two hours worth of labor. Yeah, in yeah I mean, there's a lot, of, you know, a lot of detailing and stuff. Yeah, so like people that. ask, are they made in the U.S.? And, and my answer is, you know, if you're willing to spend $200 in a couple of years, we might be able to bring a small amount made in the U.S. But currently, um, the fabrics are made in Taiwan um, or China, depending on the, fab, the, the line. And then we import that to India, and we do that um, because... Where we work with smaller factories, and um, I personally fly over and I help set up the line and observe production. 
uh, and I'm able to get more control of the factory working with an Indian um, producer. I'm also um, more comfortable with the working conditions. Everybody is incredibly happy, and um, they, they enjoy what they're doing, and they actually like having um, the, the buyer, which, which I would be in that situation, um, in the factory working with them. So it, it helps ensure that you know, the quality is there and the, that the product comes out right. And that's what we like to, to give to our customers, you know, um, a sense of pride and ownership and, and knowing that the garment is made as best as it can. What about uh, hemp? A lot of people are, you know, a lot of, a lot of other manufacturers are getting into the hemp market, you know, producing hemp clothing, you know, bags and things like that. Is that that's something that's been a, 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 a need that you've seen? Um, it's, it's not something I've looked directly into, so I, I can't comment much on how those fabrics would perform. Per se, but um, we the way I set up the the different lines is I found the best material that I could get for that specific use. So when you think of like a high end business pair of pants, you think of the best cotton you can feel, right? You know, and then when you think of a travel garment, you think of nylon or you, th- you think of synthetic because you you're looking for quick dry and you're looking for a lot of function. Um, so when I went uh, about sourcing the material, um, immediately I thought of where do you get the best nylon, and you get that in Taiwan. And that's why I flew over, I met with some companies, immediately knew, like, they, they basically had me at Hello, which I guess is the best meeting that you could ever, you know, have between, between uh, two things. Um, and I felt the fabric and knew that they were the ones. And then I, I told them my specifications and what I was looking for, and then they were able to tailor the, the fabric to meet, you know, our needs for the company. Right. And then the cotton is made from uh, southern China's largest um, fabric producer. And their cotton is phenomenal. It's baby soft to the touch. Um, and the reason why we would go specifically over to China for that is we use the highest grade of DuPont Teflon. So you need a very large mill that's familiar with the process of creating the special additive onto a garment. So um, the, what it is, it's called advanced dual action DuPont Teflon. So we all know Teflon, and it comes in many different forms. Um, it's a, a crazy, amazing innovation. Um, and DuPont's created, actually DuPont created nylon. To, I don't know if, you're, if you knew that. I, I knew that. It was just from my uh, background in engineering. You yeah. know. It, it was created out of a, a test tube, and now it's this amazing uh, fabric. And this is made in one of um, uh, Taiwan's largest nylon producers. But anyway, um, the, the advanced dual action DuPont Teflon, what that does, it actually makes me say it that way. Because you can't split it up into different, it has to be said in one, one straight sentence. Right. I actually had a back and forth. So I was like, I wanted to say DuPont first once. And they're like, you can't. You, you have to sign this agreement where you have to refer to it as this, or else guys in black suits will come and knock on your door. Um, at least that's the impression I got out of it. Um, but what it is, it's, uh, it combines uh, release, which is the ability for the fabric to um, let out ground in stains, and repel, which is another one of their Teflons, which is um, uh, it makes the fabric uh, hydrophobic, so it hates water and it hates oil. And then they combine those two, and they make it twice as durable as standard Teflon. So if you go out and see another outdoor manufacturer with a Teflon tag, ours will last twice as long, and it will be twice as functional. That's why you get such great use out of it. Yeah, garment. that's why like, I didn't have to wash them the whole time I was out on the road. Yeah, that's, that's one of the cool parts. Every day. They didn't, you know, they, I actually spilled stuff on it, just wiped it off. It was great. You know, I, mean, I love that feature, too. I was um, out at having dinner with friends uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, literally grease stripped onto my pants from the uh, from what I was eating. I said, uh-oh, and I looked down because you're, that's your immediate reaction when you see a stain like that. And I said, well, let me try to, let me see if I can get it out. And I literally took a bit of water and uh, a, a, a napkin and, uh, you know, two minutes, late, two minutes later it dried and it was disappeared. And literally people were astounded at the table. They could not believe what they saw. And I was pretty... I was pretty impressed as well. Uh, we've gotten emails of um, people that actually spill beer on their pants just for fun. Oh, I do that too. Every time I'm at a party and people want to see how the pants are. A little are show and tell? I, I literally sp- uh, spilled about a half of a Guinness on my pants and just, just wiped it right off. So they're, they're very uh, stain-phobic, I guess is the way to say it. So you were uh, when you, you founded the company, and it, how long were you doing that just solo? Like how, long were you, like how long ago did you found the company? You know, um, the company was started in uh, like about 2009, um, and I worked for almost two years, um, you know, on it alone. 
and that was um, most of the time spent sourcing and uh, flying over to Asia and finding the right fabrics and you know, the factories that we were working with. Uh, and then I released the product, and it was sold for about a year um, before it got to the point where it was too much um, to handle. And, um, and I asked Mark, um, who was doing something totally different, if he wanted to take a chance and come help out with a young company that's doing some cool things. Um, and I think it's... Uh, it's a nice change from the finance world for me personally, you know, getting up at seven, getting to work at eight, um, getting thrown into basically the blender every day where if someone's not trying to help you or they're trying to hurt you, um, it, it didn't make sense to me and I never really bought into the whole idea of the rat race. Um, and so it wasn't right for my personality and, and now, you know, working in the outdoor field, it's so much more, there's so much more freedom. Yeah, I come out of the finance industry as well. I worked in finance in Wall Street for 18 years or so. And, you know, I just got to the point where it felt like a dead end. You weren't really creating anything. All you were trying to do was uh, make money out of thin air, so to speak, or, you know, the people that succeeded, unfortunately, a lot of them, and some are very hardworking and intelligent people, don't get me wrong. Not the, the whole industry is not as bad as it seems, but, you know, the, the, prime, the most people make their money by being in some way dishonest or deceptive, or cutting corners to a large extent. Those are the people that you read about every day. And I just, that's not my personality, it's not how I was brought up, and I never engaged in any of those nefarious activities, and I didn't want to. Um, so I always did it, uh, this quote-unquote, the hard way, just realized, what am I really trying to accomplish here? If it's just for money, you know, what's the point? You know, why not do something that you enjoy doing, uh, work for a company, or, you know, I know Adam very well, I've known Adam since 2006 when we worked together, why not create something, uh, you know, a product that you're proud of, and get it out there, and get people to get as excited about it as you are, um, because before I started working with Adam, he gave me a pair of pants, and I was blown away by him, and that made my decision very easy to come work with Adam, uh, I wanted everyone else to have a pair of pants, just like I had, so that was a pretty easy decision, we, we Hashed out the details over pizza one night, and that was it. I literally and then re rehashed them out over beer ones. <laughs> right. I guess that's the good part is and that I, there's no set structure. It's uh, we we make our own um, you know way in the world now. And I think a lot about what you were just getting into is so much of the companies these days are about repackaging something and making it look different, but supplying the same thing. And for what we do is um, basically purely creative on a daily basis. And that's the stuff that I find most fulfilling, is coming up with these interesting ideas and then seeing their reaction. I think that, and it's great getting emails back from, from uh, people that wear our stuff. And we got an email from someone in, in Rio that absolutely loved it. You know, it's, it's, I, we should make a list and like have a little dartboard of everywhere someone writes in. Yeah, that's a great idea. Or maybe um, put something up on the website where people like send in photos, and it's like, where in the world is pickpocket-proof pants? And it's a photo of someone wearing their pants in Machu Picchu or wearing them at the Sphinx. That would be killer. Yeah, we got to do that. Tomorrow. There's nothing more rewarding than getting um, feedback, which we do get all, mostly on a daily basis from someone writing in, these are the best pair of pants I've ever owned, or... Um, Thank you so much. And, and, I'm, and I'm not just blowing smoke here. I mean, I literally get these emails every day, and that keeps you going forward because it is a lot of hard work, you know, doing production, you know, getting the, the message out there, speaking to people. And, um, you know, there's a lot of work involved in starting a young company. But when you get feedback like that, it really just makes it all worthwhile. That's what I just want to add that. Yeah, you know you're on the right track to something, I guess. You know, uh, Mark and I have been, I've known Mark since, uh, what, 1986? Six. That's when we met our freshman year. Six or seven. Yeah. And you, did you ever think back then that you'd be doing a podcast? I didn't even, there didn't even, that didn't even years existed later? back then. Or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably close to 20. Yeah. yeah. None of this existed, man. But I, Mark and I had been in college at BU. I've known him all this time. I, there was a period of time where we just kind of dropped off the face of the earth, right? We're out of touch, man. It works that way with good friends, is that you come and go, but the, the most amazing thing is not having seen someone for five years, let's say, and then meeting up for a beer and immediately, you know, you just go right back into that. Yeah, there, it was like nothing changed. I mean, our relation, you know, I, 
Mike's done his own thing in music, which is fantastic, because ironically enough, Mike and I, you know, Mike far exceeded my abilities, but Mike and I were in a band in college, where we jammed. We jammed. We We try to create stuff. We try to create stuff. And, uh, you know, my roommate was a drummer, Mike lived in a different, Will, Will's Mindeck, and uh, Mike lived in a different building, and we all connected and and started getting groupies, actually, at some times, coming by, and uh, (laughs) when we played in our rehearsal space, and... uh, so did you guys do it for the music or for the groupies? Okay, isn't that the, the question? Uh, dude, it's always for the music. It's always for the music. It's always for the music. I've, I've never successfully been able to secure any Because uh, I, I do action. the fans' business for the groupies. <laughs> no, you know, that's, that's, they're not in the fashion industry, man. Like, we, yeah, so um, you know, we went to school in Boston. There was quite a big music scene there at the time, which was great. So we were always into music. And you know, I decided early on that I was... Well, I was originally going to be a doctor, but that was just a dream. And decided quickly that uh, I wanted to go to Wall Street. And, uh, you know, Mike was in, on an, a path to being an engineer. Uh, he was always a talented musician. He uh, was an amazing guitar player. Um, and uh, it's good to see that Mike pursued his dreams um, in, in music. Uh, I pursued my Wall Street dreams as well, um, you know, and... Um, it's just nice. What I was trying to get at is when we reconnected, it was like we were the same people, but just 20 years later. And I don't think I'm very much changed as no. to what I was then. No, and Mike said, you're not. exactly the same. I said, so are you. So that was really strange because you think you've changed so dramatically because you it's 20 years and you've done so many other things. But in a sense, when you have a connection with someone, it, 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 it stays the same forever. Yeah, but also, just as individuals, though, like all all these things that you pick up in your life as you go through this, you know, limited span of time that we have, you know, it's all like attributes, really, to just your sort of higher self in a lot of ways. You know, it's you kind of are who you are, and every every accomplishment that you have, and every you know career that you take on, or or projects, or these different personas that you play out, or just sort of attributes. So, I mean, if, if anyone fundamentally really changes, then they're sort of, I feel like those are kind of like lost people, really, in some ways. You know? I think you're true. I think what you say is true. My mother says I'm exactly the same I was when I was a yeah. baby. Um, and I guess, um, you know, Mike and I, we had similar values when we were in college. Even though we wanted different career paths, quote-unquote, it didn't really matter. Uh, we still saw many things, that, you know, in the same way. Uh, as far as our group of friends, so that remained basically. Yeah. You were, uh, I remember there was this mission that you had of finding everyone that we were associated with back in those days. It's hard to find everyone. I mean, Facebook and uh, social media have helped uh, dramatically, but not everyone is subscribed to that. And uh, um, you know, we, I think everyone dreams of these reunions of. Uh, you know, their core group of friends and meeting at a bar or at a restaurant and, and talking about all the times. But, you know, perhaps that will happen at some point. That could be a mixed bag because I know, I know um, even going back earlier than college, like I, you know, there, there's one or two, a handful, not even a handful of people that I know from when I was growing up. And uh, one of them I stayed really good friends with. And, uh, you know, there's some some uh, holiday or some event was going on in our hometown, and we met up and you know, we went out, and that was a mistake. I mean, he and I always got along; we get along great to this day. But there was a sort of gathering of people that were part of the past, and we all ended up going to this diner one time, and I was just like, "That's why I never really liked any of these guys." Right? <laughs> and, you know, it just reverted back to being 16 years old. Well, time tests all the bonds of friendship. I mean, yeah. It's either you fall right back into place or then you realize, you know, that's the reason why. Yeah. yeah, sometimes I think at my age and realizing social media, it's sometimes better to let the past lie. You know, exactly. like just let it go because it's not going to be the same. You know, people, you know, do do different things and maybe you, 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 you know, maybe you didn't even like that person that much to begin with and maybe you really don't want to see them forever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I always leave off like my hometown, like on the... Um, you know, on the Facebook profile, or whatever, because I know when I first, you know, got involved in that social media channel, I had my, you know, everything was listed, and suddenly just people were coming out of the woodwork, like mm-hmm. random people that I was barely friends with at the time, were somehow trying to connect with me and, and you know, 
People I vaguely remember, too. And well, it's like collecting baseball cards. After a certain <laughs> point, I have 200 cards. Maybe I should have 400. Yeah. So, you know, how big of an album do you People really need? People with their 500-plus best friends. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just... I'm, my goal is 1,000. I think I'm at 250 now, so i got to work a little harder at it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, then, you know, then again, social media has really helped out. Well, especially like for what we do. Like yeah, for a musician, it's invaluable yeah. as ways to spread your, um, you know, your, your your music base. And then for me, uh, working in the in the fashion industry, um, it helps when people start talking about it, and that's the key. It's just get that two second, you know, someone flicking a couple keystrokes really changes the you know the the exposure. Um, we went very quickly from I think my company had about two to three hundred. Um, uh, you know, people that followed it, and now we're up to like 1,200 or something on Facebook. So the exposure there is valuable, though they've made a number of um, really annoying changes once they went public that make it almost impossible to even, if, if let's say half of those 1,200 had any interest in learning about it, you actually, you would have to now pay Facebook to be able to engage the 1,200 that have said that they were curious to learn more about it. I think if I would post something, which I think I did today, if I would pull up a computer right now, it would probably have gone to 60 people. Really? Yeah. It used to go to 10%. You used to get uh, 120 views um, based on just a free like post. Yeah. And now it's like 5%. Oh, so wow. they're basically taking... people to advertise. Yeah, you spend all that effort and that time to build a good product to get people interested, and then now you have to continually you know, throw, throw money out there to the, get people to see the stuff that they said that they want to see. But I guess that's the that's the part of the you know the Business the man coming into a decent idea and then making it less functional. Are you you're on Twitter? Uh, yeah, it's uh, at Clothing Arts. Um, same thing. It's everything. It would just be around you know Clothing Arts, uh, Clothing Arts on Facebook or uh, ClothingArts.com. So are you going to follow Mark's direction to like start tweeting more? He wants uh, to to tweet everything that goes on in the company. I think that there should be some limits. On, on what goes out into the Twitterverse. Um, but I, I think we, we could do more with, uh, with social media. But again, uh, you know, as a small company, every time you put your effort behind something, you're not putting your effort into something else. So for, for me right now, I think the goal is to put effort into um, building the best product we can, and then everything else will start falling into, into place. Um, I describe this to, to people as like the field of dreams pants. You know, if you build it, they will come. And when I first started out designing it, all I did was throw the kitchen sink at it and put every idea I've ever wanted in a pair of my pants. And thankfully, almost 5,000 people have said they want to wear that pair of pants. I'm pretty happy about that. Yep. We just, uh, it's been growing like organically. Uh, word of mouth has been fantastic for us. The reviews have been great. We have one guy that that owns five pairs of our pants. We have a couple guys that own five pairs. Everything we make, it's it's pretty amazing. We have a guy that lives in Las Vegas. He's a retired man. He's from the retail industry as well, um, and owns five pairs of our pants uh, and shorts. And is literally so ecstatic about them. He was one of the people that uh, was on a trip in Italy and, and didn't get pickpocketed. And he is really? going. Yeah. Oh. And he's going on a cruise <laughs> with um, sixty other retired, you know, pretty well-off people for multiple weeks. I think it's going to be a four-week or seven-week cruise in Asia, in Australia. And he asked my permission to contact everyone going on this trip with him um, um, to tell them about the pants that he has, and is that okay? You can't get better uh, feedback than that. So, um, and it literally, we set up a, a, an affiliate program for him. You know, we called it, let's just call him Mike's, you know, Mike's tour and Mike's friends. And uh, he literally went out and he just, we've gotten a ton of orders from uh, people going on the same trip as him. And uh, he said, I'm going to tell everyone I see about your pants. So, I love hearing stuff like that, and uh, he's become, you know, some kind of friendly with the guy. I mean, we've got some great customers. They're retired. Maybe they don't have much to do, but uh, they like to talk on the phone for 30, 40 minutes at a time about pants, and, you know, what else could you ask for? You know, I st I'm still on the clock, so 
That's fine with me. Um, that's good to know. <laughs> so, uh, just a quick question now. I was like, you asked me, like, back in the college days if, uh, you know, if I'd see myself as doing, like, doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, Mark, did you, when you made that transition over to, what was it, SMG or whatever it's called, MSG, what's the oh, School of Management? Business school. Yeah, business yeah. school. Did you imagine yourself being engaged in a company that sells apparel, or did you see yourself... Never in a million years. I mean, in high school, I worked in retail uh, just as a, you know, a part-time job. And I think, actually, the first year of college, maybe a summer job. Um, I was always interested in, in clothing. You probably remember from yeah, the absolutely. Um, so uh, I always bought, you know, really, I thought, pretty nice stuff. And, uh, but no, I never in a million years thought I'd be associated with the apparel industry whatsoever. Um, and... You know, frankly, I like it because it is something, as I tried to allude to earlier, uh, Wall Street isn't anything tangible, but uh, clothing is. And, you know, making people's lives better and building quality product that people are willing to pay for um, is a great feeling. You're, you're creating value. And I don't know if Wall Street creates value. In my opinion, it really doesn't. It acts like it does or it advertises it does. But at the end of the day, as they... You know, they take their fees out of everything, and the, the net sum is, I don't know what value they create, uh, other than, you know, getting rich off of a, a large number, taking a small percentage of a very large number. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a good feeling that uh, we're creating something, and that's a nice feeling. Uh, and, and I love my job. I love uh, getting out there and, um, you know, promoting the product. It's uh, great. Pri- that's also good to know, by the way. <laughs> boss sitting next to me. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I remember you and I had lunch one time in the city, and I, it was in the tail end of your yeah. experiences in the uh, you know the financial world or whatever you want to call it, Wall remember. Street trading. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> and you seem like like a thousand percent more happy now than you did the time that. You and I had, had lunch that one time. Yeah, I think Adam and I actually... jump in? Because um, uh, um, me and Mark, we've been friends a long time, too. Um, and I, I heard a lot of stories. Um, so it was interesting when I, I sort of... Um, there was this trading term that's reading the tea leaves. And I, I realized that, um, you know, I, I was going to be needing help really soon. And I knew um, that Mark was either, you know, on the fence with what he was doing or, you know, would have more things to complain about than he would to make it, you know, a positive side. Um, and so I, I didn't know exactly, you know, what the right time to bring it up. Um, but I had thought, you know, almost a year and a half at this point ago, like six months before I even asked, I, I know that you like clothes you have a, you know, better wardrobe than most people I know, which we should pawn to create a whole new line of clothes. <laughs> um, but anyway, I can't. Um, so I just saw, I thought that you might enjoy something where you, you know, you go create. So I know that when I left the financial world, I was only in it for a couple of years and you were in it for far longer that, um, what I was doing wasn't rewarding for me anymore. So I thought it was, it was a good opportunity. I knew how much I loved what I did and I knew how much you loved wearing the clothes. So at that point it just made sense to just give you that. I was like, here, you right. want uh, to take a chance. I think what, what Adam mentioned earlier and, Mike also hinted at was um, the amount of game playing and politics and uh, aggressive, strange, psychotic behavior that goes on in the Wall Street industry. You know, it's an com- ultra-competitive industry, and it's all about money. So people, you know, as we probably all know, people do crazy things. And people literally lose their minds in, in the industry, and they'll kill you for a dollar. And they'll lie and cheat and steal behind your back when you're not expecting it. And I had it in every single company I worked for, every single one. And those are the stories Mike is referring to. Because we used to have lunch every one or two months or whatever, and I used to complain about, this person is being political for no reason at all. We were independent contractors at a company, and it didn't benefit him whatsoever to be a political player, Um, but still it went on. And for no reason. And uh, I just, there are so many negative aspects of, you know, for all these success stories that you read about, the amount of politicking that had to be done 
for that person to rise in a big organization on Wall Street is basically like running for president of the United States. I think it's so similar to being a, you know, a politician. It has very little to do with ability. It's more with how much do you really want and what are you willing to trade right. to get it. Exactly. And that's what I realized. Are you willing to give everything to get it? You know, and God bless the people that are. I hope they're happy. Uh, I've been shown time and time again they're not necessarily happy. And so a lot of those thoughts at my age, you know, played into my decision as well. Um, and, you know, a number that you make per year is just not going to do it. If you don't like what you do, there comes a time where you have to make a change. So um, that's, those are my personal reasons for making the, the transition. But uh, not really on topic. But, well, I also never thought that I would work in clothes. I mean, anybody that knew me, uh, you know, in college or before um, or after, um, I'm definitely not the, the most, you know, I guess, into clothes or wasn't. Um, and then now, I, I always enjoy people watching, I you're, guess, is the key. You're into gear. Uh, yeah, yeah, see, that's the differential. Is that, like, I can talk endlessly yeah. about why I have that backpack sitting over But that, that is really kind of like the crux of your company, though, because... I'm not necessarily, I mean, I'm pretty straightforward in my wardrobe as well, you know. But the thing that attracted me to what you guys are doing is the fact that it's like a utility. Like, you're, you're, like there's two, there's the companies, the, the apparel companies that I'm interested in are utilitarian and geared towards function mm-hmm. and also taking consideration of steps. Well, that's, we describe it as urban wear meets outerwear. Yeah. So we take the best of both worlds, we put it in a blender, much like this coffee. And then mix, you know, the really great butter and the really great coffee together, which I'm still drinking and loving. Great, anyway, glad to see it turn yeah. you guys on. It's, it's really good. When you first mentioned that I have coffee and we're going to put butter in it, so you, you got my attention. I yeah. would, I, I cook a lot and I enjoy my food, and it's, it's pretty much the reason why I do what I do now. It's, it's I, I fell in love with the idea of traveling and trying all this amazing cuisine. Yeah. So I thought to myself on a bus in Cambodia, how can I spend as much time as I want on the road? And then, well, if I'm making clothes overseas. Someone has to go and make sure those clothes are produced well and or, you know, come up with inspiration for those clothes. And that just sounded appealing to me. And then ever since 2000 and late to early 2007, I've worked every day to fulfill that dream of spending time on the road to try amazing new foods or, you know, coffee with butter in it. Yeah, I saw your face when I, when, uh, you know, I, I proposed that idea. I only hide my emotions well in poker. Well, you know, the rest of it's just right there. But, but I knew that. I knew that you had to try it just based on your reaction to the... I never heard about it. It was totally out of left field. That's the same reaction we get with the pants off. Oh, there's a whole... People are like, what? You have money belts built into your clothes? Show it to me. There's a whole, like, movement around, like, um, you know, that this type of, like, grass-fed, you know, microtoxin-free, like... Food and stuff like that. So. You find it odd that I think you're close to a vegetarian. No, no, hell no. Oh, dude. Okay, because the second dude, you said I, grass I'm beef, like I'm like a, a carnivore. Okay, because the second you said grass beef, I, I'm saying we. we well, should, you think we I was should go right? I don't well, know why. I think I told him that you <laughs> eat a lot of healthy. Stuff. I said you're pretty <laughs> close, know. but oh, yeah. I remember you eating a burger recently. So that's oh no, but Every no, time no. you said grass fed, I just immediately was craving a hamburger. Yeah, man. I think after this podcast, we should go out. And since Mark hardly ever eats any any beef, we should we should make him come with us for a grass fed hamburger. That that's the, the the operator right there. It's the grass fed nature of it. It's like you know no no antibiotics and like just the way like a cow is supposed to be raised is really the way you're supposed to be consuming it. Same thing. And I carry that on to like butter and milk and you know like I, I try to drink. I've tried you know raw milk before. Like my my lady friend who just walked by, she's a big proponent of raw raw milk. Mm-hmm. They make the absolute best yogurt. If you have raw milk, um, oh. get a little bit of yogurt from um, uh, an organic place, yeah, you know, with no preservatives, yeah. nothing in it, and then you just take a little cup. I learned this from my friends in India. Um, so the oven, you, you used to cook something the night before. Yeah. You know, you turn the, the heat off. Uh-huh. You take a, a, ta- a tablespoon of that yogurt and then throw it into a cup of milk and then just stick it into the warm environment of the oven and see what happens in the morning. Yeah. You'll have a whole pot of yogurt. Sure. Like that. I've made yogurt before. Not, not exactly the way you, you described it, but I've made yogurt before. You know. That's my trip. Mm-hmm. Like eating like that, like living that sort of look. Keeping like all, everything I take into my body as close to like earth-grown nutrients. You know, being like raw, organic vegetables 
and grass-fed meat and wild fish. Don't you find how surprised how much effort that takes in today's world? It's worth it. Like you're lucky because right down the block, as we were walking it's here, you have a market though. right there. I, th- I think like for us, it would be very difficult. There's no market anywhere near that we carry it. it they don't really even carry organic chicken. They have free, you know, um, you know, free range, you know, vegetarian chicken, but it's still right, fed on still, whatever diet. Yeah, exactly. They try they try to sneak that by. But it still makes a huge difference over the flavor of you know the Purdue or. I probably shouldn't say that. Don't assume you Purdue. Chicken to the right of... Yeah, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's flavors. Like, you know, yeah, definitely. I, there's definitely a taste better, but also just getting the, the body to perform the way you want it to, you know, if you put it through. And just that, that too, that component of, like, to making demands on your body and feeding it with the proper nutrients elevates your consciousness to a different level. And also your brain operates differently. And the whole thing is about, for me, is about balancing the physical and intellectual worlds and having them sort of just not be at odds with each other. You know, that's like, yeah, I feel like all that stuff is like, you know, rigorous, intense physical trauma and, you know, working out really hard helps you deal with dealing with stressful situations. Like, you know, it gives you a good outlet for it. Yeah. But also it's like, if you, if you're used to dealing with stress, like if you're training yourself to deal with a stressful situation, as part of training, you can manage those things in a real life situation if you're actually faced with that. Mm-hmm. You know, if like you spend like you know however many hours you spend, you know, doing something that elevates your you know elevates it's your like physicality. military training too. I mean, yeah. the extent of stress that they put people under, so then when it actually comes time to do it, they automatically know how to respond. Your right. brain and your and body are wired together. But, but it's it's like that's I, I'm only I'm referring only partially to like a combat situation. I'm referring to if you have life, like the life, stress. just life stuff, yeah. you know, if you're, you have like a, you know, very well, it puts important perspective meeting. too. Yeah, if you have like I a mean, meeting, you got to deal with. It. You have a difficult client or a difficult situation. I feel that you know, going back, you know, training really hard helps you like manage all that. All that's internal stress, and you can you keep that under wraps, and you know, and then you get rid of it. Like when you go and train, you just like blow it all out, and you feel, oh, I'm not even angry anymore. You know, I feel great, and that's kind of like my whole little micro world of, you know, life and everything, you know, and it's really just the balance of, like, intellectual and physical, because so, so, so many people are one or the other, and I feel like, you know, there's, like, people who just look down at you because you're in physical condition, or you do some sort of training, but, you know, I feel like that's only a partial person, like, you kind of need both of those things to be a complete person, and that's really just... Yeah, that's just my, my goal, really. You know, it's sort of my, my mission is to just be complete that way. You know? Well, I think it's, it's also important to, to find what gives you passion. Oh, yeah. That's, and for you, I mean, learning more about, you know, how much effort you put into the training to become both, you know, strong in the mind and the body to be the best fighter and person that you can be. I think that takes a ton of effort just to, um, you know, to, to build yourself up to the point where that passion could be realized. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of the, the what I was describing, you know, on a bus in Cambodia about travel. Uh, the travel bug bit me hard. Yeah. I've, I honestly did not have a passport before I originally flew over to um, go on a free trip to Israel, which is what led the my boss at the time, um, my last boss, actually, oddly enough. Um, he basically wouldn't give me time off to go on a, a free trip, um, I mean, a lot of people might have heard of Birthright or not, but if you're under 26, um, uh, this was a couple years ago, I think now there's more, or it's, it's a more limited uh, ability to go, but if you're under 26 and, um, and Jewish, you get a free trip to Israel. Um, so I was turning 26 and I was sitting behind a trading desk and I, I basically asked him, like, can I get a week off to go to Israel? And he's like, I, you can't take a whole week off straight. And then I went home and was like, so pissed off. I could not put into words how ridiculous not being able to take a week off to take this trip that would cost thousands and thousands of dollars, money I didn't have, and and it's an opportunity that would be gone in a year. And so I had to make a decision. Am I going to take this opportunity, or am I going to let it go in favor of something else that I'm not quite sure about? Um, And then I got a passport, and that was the first stamp ever in my passport was going to Israel. Um, and now I have 100 pages in that passport. 
Seriously. I have two editions stitched in. They give you 26 pages initially. Yeah. And then the edition, there's so little. The U.S. has, like, has, oddly enough, or sadly enough, actually, has the, the least pages of any passport I have seen. Oh, British well, have yeah, more, I mean, Canadians have more, yeah. Australians have more, Germans. It, it, they're used to traveling. That's part of yeah. the, the whole idea. And for some reason, um, you know, I had, I had never traveled. And I got a 26-page passport somewhere in Singapore. Um, I ran out of pages and had to get um, my first edition stitched in. And then in Boston about two years ago, I had to get um, another edition stitched in because I didn't have time to, to get to wait the three months or a month to get the my brand new passport. And then she's like, well, we could just stitch two in for you if you'd like. And I'm like, do I have to pay more for that? She's like, no. That's badass. Like, yeah, just stitch it in there. So so now I sell a pair of pants that has a secret passport pocket, and I own the largest passport anyone's ever seen. It has 100 pages, and I, you know, I go to a sales meeting, and they're like, well, will that fit a passport? I'm like, if it fits this, then it can fit anything. You're like some sort of secret agent or something, you know? No, a secret agent, you wouldn't need a passport. You just go right through. You, go, you use one passport, and you throw it out. I think um, the, the border between Hong Kong and Macau has like a special lane just for me, and I just walk right through. I, I have more Hong Kong and Macau stamps. There's a um, uh, an amazing fireworks festival, uh, which is actually going on. Um, I don't know it's the six months from now, but it's uh, September or so, and uh, September to October, and it's, um, it's for I think Chinese New Year or Independence Day, one or the other. And um, they have uh, different teams from all over the world that come in, and for 20 minutes they showcase their fireworks to music. Oh, wow. And it's absolutely amazing. It's a 40 minute trip from Hong Kong by boat. And there's casinos everywhere. So it's, it's, it's a good excuse for a vacation. And I was living in Hong Kong as part of um, the designing the, the whole pants in the beginning. But I spent a year living in Hong Kong and um, about four months living in Beijing, um, almost six months now living in India. Um, and then uh, when I originally started the company, I was um, in Amsterdam. I spent a year in Amsterdam. That's where Mark was living. Yeah. That's a whole other story for another time. <laughs> of all the places I've lived in my life, too. Well, gentlemen, thank you for coming by. Well, thank you for yeah, having yeah. us. You know, yeah, thanks, uh, Mike. We love that you're you're wearing the plants and the pants, not plants. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't wear plants. It was Amsterdam that was stuck in my head with the wear, the <laughs> wearing plants. plants, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, so should, we, uh, should we wrap this up and go get some grass-fed beef? Yeah, man. So once again, your uh, what's the, the website address and uh, your Twitter? Uh, it's uh, clothingarts.com uh, and at clothingarts for um, those in the Twitterverse. Uh, tomorrow, Mark will be doing a play-by-play of every comment said in the Clothing Arts office directly to our Twitter feed. That's awesome. We'll do a trial. <laughs> a trial. <laughs> All right, Sounds gents. Good. Thanks okay, a lot. Thanks, Mike.